This is the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, episode number 20. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. We'll help you on your fly fishing journey with classic stories covering steelhead fishing, fly tying, and much more. How's it going, everyone? Thanks for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show. In today's episode, I interviewed Tim Camisa from TroutandFeather.com. We talk about how Tim built one of the biggest fly tying channels on YouTube on the side while having a full-time job. Tim talks about steelhead fishing Lake Erie trips, contact nymphing with jigs, and the power of Project Healing Waters. Don't miss this one as Tim shares a big tip he learned from Bob Clouser on how to name your next fly pattern. It's more obvious than you might think. So, without further ado, here's Tim Camisa from TroutandFeather.com. How's it going, Tim? Oh, Dave, it's going great, man. I'm glad we can finally connect. Nice, nice. Yeah, it's uh, great to have you here. Uh, you know, today I think uh, we're going to get into a bunch of uh, fly tying stuff and some online uh, questions related to kind of the, you know, the fly fishing industry. You're doing a lot of stuff. I can't even remember where I first found you, but mm-hmm. somewhere along the way I started seeing some of your fly tying videos and just, you know, right away realized you're you're building something pretty cool over there. So I wanted to share that with a lot of the the people we have in, in the audience here, if that sounds good. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. Perfect. So I always get started just with a little bit of background on your history. You know, we have uh, just talking here, we've been chatting kind of on email, but uh, I really don't have the whole history. So maybe you can give us a, a rundown how you got into fly fishing and how the whole Trout and Feather uh, website and all the video, how that all got going for you. Yeah, of course, Dave. Hey, I'll try to keep it as condensed as possible. But if I go back to you know, childhood, because that's where most people tend to start. And I think that's where you started as well. I was really fortunate. My father was really into hunting and fishing. He was a fly fisherman, but he definitely was more into just, you know, typical spin fishing, bait casters, that type of stuff, fly fishing on the side. So that was kind of my early experience getting into fishing. And then when I was in fourth grade, I was 10 years old. Uh, we had this after school program and it was for a fly tying class. I took it. I had a blast with it. It was just, you know, just a bunch of children having fun. We had this great mentor that was teaching us how to tie flies and uh, spinning deer hair, just all that really great stuff. And I brought all this stuff home and I was showing it to my dad and and he said, hey, you really have to get in contact with his uncle, John, who's my great uncle, John. And uh, I said, why is that? And he said, well, he's a really big fly fisherman. That's what his passion is. Why don't you, you know, one of the two of you to get, get together He'll kind of tell you a little bit more about the uh, the fly tying perspective on it and show you that fly fishing component. And I had liked fishing, Dave, but hmm. the moment I connected with my Uncle John, he just kind of sat me down. We, we really started talking a little bit more serious about fly tying or as serious as a, a 10 or 11-year-old can get. And then that fly fishing component came in and I was just absolutely all in. It was <laughs> like the, the pun goes. You know, I was hooked at that point. Nice. So I kind of just moved forward. Uh, through high school and continue to fly fish, continue to tie flies. And I was kind of in that um, realm, if you want to call it, for around 10 years. And I I became a teacher. So I'm a full-time teacher. So that's my day job. And sometime around my second or third year of teaching, I decided that I love fly fishing so much. um, I really wanted to just jump into the industry any way possible. So I figured the best way to get in was being a guide. So I started guiding on the Delaware River. Hmm. And I had a blast just some just really technical dry fly fishing. That was my expertise. And it really just, it it was wonderful, except for that, that piece that I think a lot of guides quickly realize is that I'm teaching all school year and I'm guiding all summer. 
I'm not fishing enough. <laughs> so that's when I thought, you know what, this is definitely not, it, it's, a, it's a great pathway. Many people choose it, but it was not for me. So I, I kind of pulled out of the guiding and then that's when YouTube was just starting to get a little popular. So I still tied, I still fished a lot, probably still too much at the time. And I decided to put a couple videos on there. I, I initially put a video on YouTube to help a friend who was over on the West Coast just to tie a fly. So I put this video and kind of forgot about it. And then I got a notification saying I had 100 views or 1,000 views. I, I have no idea, hmm. but I had a number of views on this terrible, terrible video. And I thought, well, that's kind of cool. So I decided to make another one and make another one. And it just kind of, I don't want to say took off, but it, it definitely started to go in that direction. And um, eventually... I decided that I wanted to have a website. It wasn't just to promote, you know, to promote my videos or anything like that, but I was starting to get so many emails because I put myself out there as a resource that when I would go to reference the videos, there was no really easy way for YouTube to help get to the video aside from searching for it. So I, I created troutandfeather.com and I had a, an easier way to hmm. kind of find my own videos. But then from that, just more and more people just kind of jumped on. And now I am where I am today, and it's it's been a really cool ride the whole time. Nice, nice. That's cool. So you've been going strong. Like, how long have you been uh, doing the the videos now? Oh, geez, it's been around maybe seven seven or eight years. I believe oh, wow. since from from my last one right now. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's definitely a chunk of time. So you were, yeah. I mean, YouTube's been out there a while, but you've you've been going for uh, a lot longer than probably a lot of people out there. Oh, that's for sure. Yeah, it's, it's definitely been. It's been great to see how many tires have now jumped on board of YouTube because it, it's just a resource that I, I know you and I didn't have when we were children. We didn't have that. That I mean, we had to go back to VHS and books, and now mm -hmm. you can just jump on YouTube and find so many current flies, and, and you're starting to see more and more older patterns jumping on there too. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. It seems like it seems like you can find just about any any fly you want. Well, I guess they're not all on there, but a lot of them are. So, no, that's that's interesting. This is a, a cool. Uh, Cool story. So, so how how would you describe uh, your I mean, YouTube channel? I know you do some steelhead fly tying and things like that. How would you describe it to somebody that's that's never been to it? My YouTube channel. Geez, that's a that's a great question. I guess whenever I I first think about my YouTube channel, and it, it's been a kind of it's been developing over these last seven years or so. Because initially it was just I wanted to put some of my favorite patterns on there, some of the flies that that I knew that caught fish. And then it just started to morph into some other things. So if I was just going to tell you, hey, this is my goal is to share my passion with others, I think that comes across. But now whenever you look at my videos, I have really some distinct types of videos on there. I have a lot of videos in which I'm really asking others to get creative in your fly tying. I have a lot of videos now that are part of a series It's called From Vice to Water, where I, I say, let's get away from the vice and let's start being a little bit more proactive in our preparation for fly fishing. And then I have a ton of videos right now that I feature guest tires and it's kind of my way to, to pay all my experiences forward. So I have, I'm able to share all these other guests on my, on my channel. And I'm also supporting some groups such as project healing water and, and casting for recovery. So whenever I kind of break it down, it's still, I'm still trying my best to share my passion, but it's probably those three areas that I want people to kind of see and kind of get a feel for what I'm doing. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And the Project Healing Waters, I caught a little bit of that. Maybe you can explain. I'm actually, I've been trying to uh, hook up with somebody uh, in our area for Healing Waters just to explain the whole program for those that don't know. But maybe you can talk about uh, just shortly that program and how you're uh, connected with it. Yeah, I'd love to. Well, in Western Pennsylvania, I um, I ran into contact with a few people that were telling me about this 
this event that was going on for veterans. And I really didn't know too much about it. And they invited me out just to, just to fish with a veteran for the day. And I went there and, and it was just way more than that. They had brought this group of veterans in from Pittsburgh to a private lake. They provided them fly rods, fly reels, fly lines, flies, like one-on-one -on -one instruction. And this place was just loaded with trout. So we had just fishing all morning long. We took a break for lunch and continued everything in the afternoon. So it was just this incredible event. But the more that I found out about it, it wasn't just a one-time thing. They have, in our area, we have around six or eight of these events throughout the course of the year. But then maybe once a week or, or once every other week, they have a fly tying class that goes on at one of the VAs, which is just mind-boggling. The people are going down there and they're, they're having all these veterans meet up and they're tying flies. And they have rod building classes and they have all this stuff going on. So I was just absolutely impressed and blown away with the organization, especially that they can get so localized and they can just have all these pockets all around the country. So I decided that um, going back to what I was saying about paying experiences forward, mm -hmm. my wife and I, we really just wanted to kind of find a way to give back a few years ago. And we just kind of sat down and we were talking about some different ways that we could do that. She works for the VA and I love fly fishing. So we realized Project Healing Waters <laughs> was that was a way that we could kind of mesh our two worlds together. She attends with me, but from the YouTube perspective, I decided that I wanted to just do something simple. And I just went to the post office. I opened a post office box and I made it just a little YouTube video, maybe three minutes long one year, asking for any donations. And if you had anything that, that people could send in to me, I would collect them through the post office box and I would pass them off to our Western Pennsylvania Project Healing Waters. And that was one facet. And the other facet hmm. was I wanted to really just create more awareness about Project Healing Waters. I put that video out. I let it air for about a month. Then I closed the post office box. We had like 25, 28 donations that year. It just blew me away how much people wanted to just help out. It was mainly fly tying supplies and fly fishing stuff, vests. There was a, a gentleman that sent eight rods. Hmm. There was somebody else who sent a half a dozen reels. I mean, it was just – it was such an incredible experience just to see how – People are so willing to give to others. And uh, we've continued to do this over the last few years. We, Heather and I still attend all the events. And every year I put out that Project Healing Waters video. And, and every year I, I really try my best not to, to say to them, give to the Pittsburgh region or send this stuff to me and I'll distribute it here. I really just want people to be aware that this is a group that's out there. They're doing really great things for our veterans. Mm -hmm. And don't feel obligated to give to me, but find out if you have one in your area and get involved with them too. Because as with most organizations, those supplies are great, but they need time. They need, they need money. So I really would just want to build that awareness for Project Healing Waters. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's a great, a great cause. And I hope to, to do a little more too. So I'll, I'll, I'll provide a link here in the show notes for anybody who wants to, um, you know, connect with that organization and, and, uh, and, and maybe connect with you or if they're in your area, I guess there's regions all over the country. So it's pretty easy for people to connect. Yeah, it definitely seems that way that I didn't know how many groups there really were, but there are groups all over the place. Um, I guess they, they even have a, a place at the International Fly Tying Symposium. I've tied there at the last couple of years, and during the banquet on Saturday night, they have an award for the Fly Tire of the Year through Project Healing Waters, and that's been, been, been really neat. But because of that event, I've also connected with a couple other people that are starting fly tying events and kind of classes for it's not Project Healing Waters, but similar stuff overseas. There's a gentleman in Europe who decided to do something similar, and there's a, a gentleman up in Canada as well. So my um, my donation is kind of it, it's kind of spurred some other pockets as well outside of the country. And then one of my favorite stories to tell: uh, there's a, a, 
I'll call him a boy, but he's turning into a young man. His name's Andrew. He lives in New Jersey. He had watched one of my first Project Healing Waters videos a few years ago, and he decided to do his own thing and start his own collection in high school. I think he was a, an eighth grader or a ninth grader at the time. So it's just been cool to see that hmm. just from like a, a couple of videos that all this other great stuff has gone on. It's just, it's huh. neat to see the power. Yeah, that's awesome. Nice. Uh, so yeah, so um, uh, turning the uh, the corner here a little bit, uh, just thinking about, um, you know, obviously here on the show, we talk a lot about steelhead and steelhead fishing. Do you have uh, any, maybe you could talk about your experience uh, fishing for steelhead and tying flies. I know you've done a little bit of that and, and how you get into, you know, maybe you could talk about the rivers you fished around there and then uh, a little bit of the flies that you tied. Yeah, absolutely. So Dave, in, um, in Pennsylvania, that's where, that's where I'm, oh, okay. I'm out of. Western Pennsylvania. So just straight north from where I live, about an hour and a half, around 90 miles or so, uh, is the Great Lake of Lake Erie. And um, in Pennsylvania, we have a number of tributaries that go into Lake Erie. For the most part, it's introduced steelhead. So that's kind of our, our fishery. They've been slowly integrating brown trout again. So if, whenever I think about my steelhead fishing, it's fishing streams like Elk Creek, um, Walnut, 16-mile run, 20-mile run in western Pennsylvania. And there's some smaller tributaries that I love to fish as well. Okay. So that's kind of you – know, we're talking fall. That's that's mainly when, when we fish for these fall into the winter. Some people will still be fishing into the spring, early spring for sure. Um, but that's kind of the fishing season for us. And whenever I think about getting up there, some of the flies that I, I like to tie, we're talking things like the DeFranks Grim Reaper, really small nymphs, some egg patterns. Mm-hmm. Uh, really cool fly that I feature on my videos called Ian's Brass Ass. Just a neat little pattern okay. that gets that gets to the bottom quick. Over the last couple of years, I've I've started to get involved in a little bit more of this European nymphing. I guess we'll call it contact nymphing for the for the purpose of this. Yeah. And I've been fishing way more jig flies for steelhead over the last couple right. of years with lots of success. And then of course you have the mop fly. That darn fly catches these, and I I feel bad catching a steelhead on on a mop, but. <laughs> Sadly, they work too. I'm sure you don't use them over there, though. Uh, I don't know. I haven't used that fly, but I'm sure there's people that use something uh, similar. It's, uh, so, yeah, I was uh, just noted uh, that before on the show notes, uh, it'll be at wetflyswing.com slash 20 uh, for this. Uh, everybody can find the show notes to all those patterns you talked about there. I'll try to. Oh, sure. Yeah, I'll sure. provide links to either the you know photos or, or some of your videos there so they can check them out. But, no, that's that's cool. So are, are you fishing? So these streams are fairly small uh, streams? I would say they're smaller than, than West Coast because I, I had a chance to fish West Coast a couple times. But whenever I'm thinking about the, the tributaries, the largest ones we're talking maybe 50 feet, somewhere around that, that range, uh, yeah. where I'm fishing them the whole way down to 15, 20-foot uh, streams. So gotcha. that's kind of that, that's kind of the, the range. So I'm not swinging flies necessarily. I, I was really fortunate. I have one of my buddies, Joe Caifus, who's now out of Colorado, tying intruder on my channel. He did just a killer job, though that's not a fly that, that I use on a regular basis. Uh-huh. That's not something – I don't swing flies that much. I have a, a, a couple of, you know rods that would definitely classify in that category, but that's just – it's not the game. It, yep. You're more really intimate with these steelhead. You're getting close with them. You're hoping they're getting up to the riffles, and, and you're just having a really fun battle because you know once you hook them, they can't go – you know, left or right, they have to go upstream or downstream and they typically want to go back towards the lake. And it's, it's always a battle with them. Huh? huh that's cool. Yeah. I think actually, now that I think of it, I think that was the video I watched, um, with the intruder and that's, that might, may have been where I first ran into your, uh, your feed and everything on, on YouTube. Oh, cool. Oh, Joe, he, Joe did a killer job on that video. That was one of the first videos that 
I featured a guest other than my Uncle John, and we had a blast filming that one, except that fly took so long to tie whenever we were doing the video portion of it. I'll, I'll give you a little behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And we were using a new camera at the time, and this camera, um, for some reason, it was overheating. I, I, I think mm -hmm. it was because Joe and I were just talking so <laughs> darn much, and this camera kept turning off. So we would record for 12 minutes, then it would turn off. Oh, man. I, again, and it would turn off, and it was just getting so oh, frustrating. Yeah. And Joe looked at me, and he said, is it like this for every one of your flies? And I said, Joe, I promise it's not. <laughs> it was just such a long video. Wow. Wow. No, that's good. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll have to watch that one again and check that out. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was pretty good. Um, so what, you know, think, just thinking about your audience, you've definitely done, I mean, seven years of tying. If you had to put, you know, your target audience or the person you're kind of tying for, do you, do you have that in your mind or are you just kind of trying to tie everything that's out there? How, how do you, how do you cover that? Or how do you, and actually another question would be, how do you decide what you, what you want to tie and what you do videos on? <laughs> those are great. Those are great <laughs> questions, Dave. I initially thought I had a target audience and it was my initial target audience was the fly tire that was more of an intermediate tire that wanted to just branch out with his or her fly box. That was kind of my initial audience, though I've realized that on YouTube especially, a lot of people, they, they go onto YouTube for a number of different reasons if they're looking for a fly tying video. Number one, they may just want to see exactly how that fly is tied. They don't want to know anything else about it. Number two, it could be a, a beginner that once they see something, it catches their eye and they want to know what the fly is and they want to know how to use it. And then number three, you just have the, the casual person. He's just logging in, seeing what's out there, may or may not even be tying a fly. So whenever I, I think about those three categories, I'm trying to find the way to, to mesh them together. And, and over the years, there's no perfect way to do that. So I don't have just one category that I say, I, I just want to reach this person. And that's, I think, I don't want to say that's been part of my success or the reason I have as many subscribers on YouTube as I do, but I really try my best to vary the types of videos that you see. Mm -hmm. Whenever I think about some of the videos that I've released, even in the last couple months, some people get almost upset with me because they want to see just nothing but flies tied. And then I have guest tires and people yeah. want to see nothing but guest tires. <laughs> and I have videos where I feature reviews of products or I feature just a vice or I feature a product and, and people want to see more of those videos. So it's comical. And I have my, my website pulled up a little bit ago yeah. and I was looking back and over the last like half a dozen videos, I was featuring a fly tying material. I had a guest tire. I had my project healing waters video. I featured a European nymph. I did a stream sample with an entomologist from, um, from down South. Hmm. I had a gadget video. I, I featured another guest tire, Joe messenger, just a really famous fly tire from West Virginia. So I had really just I'm trying to make them as well-rounded as possible. Let's, mm -hmm. let's put it that way, if that makes sense. That's yeah. kind of been my goal over the last year or so. Yeah, that does make sense. Yeah, and, and I guess when you have that that many videos out there, you start to kind of cover it all. And But no, I, I, I like what you're doing. I think keeping it diverse is, is kind of a good way to connect with more people. So that's cool. Sure. So, so you said your home rivers for, um, you mentioned a few of your home rivers for steelhead. As far as trout fishing, um, are you fishing similar streams or, or what are you doing for trout out there? Or is that the other species you target mostly? Yeah, I would say this, the species that I target is, is mainly trout. That's, that's my number one year round. I'm in Western Pennsylvania, though I tend to fish more of central Pennsylvania. That's, that tends to be the, the area because we have some just wonderful spring creeks. We have some wonderful limestone streams in that area. We have some great hatches. You put all that stuff together, we have a lot of wild fish. And 
it's just some incredible fishing. I don't get as far east, we're talking eastern Pennsylvania, as I'd love to get, especially that southeast corner where so many famous fly fishermen over the years have, have written books and mm. articles and, and created so many just wonderful videos that, that I just personally love. When we're talking like the Latorte, Falling Springs, those types of areas. Mm. But I tend to, to focus more around the, the state college area, uh, right by Penn State University, within probably 40 mile circle around it. And it's a, it's a drive. It's about a two to two and a half hour drive for me mm -hmm. uh, to make it out there to go fishing on a daily basis. But I love to go and I, I make it out there around three or four times a week during the summer. Cool. Cool. Yeah. That, uh, that clarifies that a little bit where you're coming from. Um, so on the flight tying end, I always, uh, you know, it's interesting to hear if, if, you know, if you have any flight tying tips, that's kind of a hard thing sometime to, to throw out there, but does anything come to mind as far as maybe somebody that's getting started to help them, um, tie flies, or maybe it, it might even be a resource or something that would just help somebody new to it. Well, yeah, of course. And I guess I'll back up and you would ask me earlier about my YouTube audience. Mm -hmm. And originally I had focused so much on that intermediate fly tire that I'm not saying I didn't necessarily help the beginning fly tire, but I make a lot of assumptions in, in a lot of my videos in that people know how to, to control their their thread. They know how right. to finish a fly. Even though my most popular video, it's got almost I think 150,000 views is called finishing techniques for fly tying where I show people different ways to tie off the fly. And that's hmm. easily been my number one video. That's with, without a doubt, my most popular video of all time wow. on there. So that it, it shows you because people, they have all this wonderful fly going they have all these, these materials on it. Yep. They, they don't know how to finish it. So they got to find something really quick. So, huh. That so, was just one I put out there. It's just a nice little resource, and it just just skyrocketed. It's about is that, five years old. And is that just like the um, just different uh, tools and things like that, using different yeah. finish tools and stuff? In that one, I just I wanted to show people just a couple different ways, and it was just how to use the Mattarelli whip finish, how to use oh, okay. the Thompson whip finisher, cool. how to use just your hand because I prefer I typically don't use whip finishers. I just use my hand. How to yep. how to do a half hitch? It's just about a twelve minute video, nothing crazy. And, um, I, and if, if you would have asked me which of my videos would not have performed anywhere near, it would have been that one because I just, again, I kind of made the assumption most people know how to do this. Then I realized if they're going onto YouTube, they yep. probably don't, they need to learn how to do huh. that stuff. And that's, that video alone has made me rethink a, a lot of the ways that I approach uh, some of my videos. Yeah, exactly. No, it's, I was just at a, uh, a tying expo and I was watching other tires and yeah, it was interesting to see how many people on that finishing part did things differently. I, I guess I just assumed most people did, uh, you know, used a whip finish tool, but man, I saw people doing half hitches and there are different ways of doing their hands. And I mean, it, it was crazy. Yes. Yeah, so it's, there's a lot to do. Yeah. There's some pretty, there's some high end tires out there that yeah. I know who don't use anything and they just simply put super glue on it. And, they, yeah, and that's it. And, and there's some people now that are using these UV resins and they're just, they're completely not using any type of knot at the end. And they're just, they're using a glue to finish it. And I know my <laughs> uncle, my great uncle, John, he's extremely old school and he's such a traditionalist. He wouldn't put super glue on anything. He, to him, that's like the worst thing in the world. So it's taken me even a few, just knowing he was one of my mentors. Whenever yep. I first saw people doing that, I thought, why are they using super glue? But it's, you know, in the end, Dave, it's to each his own and everyone has yeah. their own way and they're trying to get an end product that's going to catch fish and, and that's the point of this. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you mentioned your uh, your uncle there, and uh, as a mentor, and some other folks. Is anybody that uh, rings a bell that you know that helped you, uh, other than uh, other than him, to get you going on on your current path? Oh, absolutely. I, I've had a lot of mentors. I've been really fortunate along the way. I mean, my my two early ones were my were my dad, 
and my great uncle John. They're still two of my my greatest mentors. There's no question about that. Whenever I was getting closer towards graduation in high school, uh, I, I met this gentleman. His name was John Dunn. I met John through steelhead fishing. So I, your your listeners will definitely hmm. appreciate this. I was going out to fast food or something with my dad, and we were in there, and there was this guy that was ordering, and he just looked like he was really just not upset, but just tired. He just looked like he had to go somewhere and he just had to eat and get out of there real quick. And my, my dad introduced me and he said, Oh, this, this guy's friends with uncle John. And so I met him and, and I'm talking to him and we're saying, Hey, what's going on? He said, I just have been steelhead fishing for six hours. It's been the best morning I've had in the last month. I'm going to eat. I have to go to work and I'm going to get back up there as soon as I can in 12 hours. And he did. And he, I guess he had a great rest of that week. And he just was so addicted to steelhead fishing that it just really excited me. So he invited me along. We went fishing. I was around 17 or so at the time. It was probably the worst day to go fishing in the history of Erie. The streams were frozen over. We were breaking (laughs) ice, you know, moving him, waiting for the fish, you know, just trying to get our, our flies even into the water. You know, everything was frozen. Guides were frozen. We, we yeah. It was terrible. It was, it was probably the worst day of fishing I've ever had. And afterwards, we're driving home. It's about a foot of snow. We'd have to stop every half an hour and get snow off the headlights. And, and we got home and he looked at me and he said, all right, I, I think you, you can do this. I didn't know if you'd make it through about <laughs> half the day, but but you made it and we're going to keep doing this. Nice. And I just stuck with him, steelhead fishing. And he got me hooked into trout. And he was one of the first people that kind of got me out of the Western Pennsylvania area to start thinking about trout other places. And huh. we ended up going to Montana together. And um, we still fish to this day together, nowhere near as much. He's now based out of the state college area. So he spends his springs, his summers, early fall up here. And then rest of the year, he heads down to Florida, has some wonderful saltwater fishing. Hmm. I think maybe maybe on the, the Gulf side. So I, I, I guess I should correct myself there, but he's on the Gulf side of Florida great fishing down there. And uh, he's easily been another one of those mentors that's just really helped me along the way. And then as I've gotten older, uh, I've, I've had so many more, probably the most recent one that, that I've, I've come into contact with is Chuck Fremsky. He's the gentleman that started the fly fishing show and he still runs the international fly tying symposium. Oh, wow. He had, he contacted me a few years ago to, to be a part of the fly fishing show or, or the symposium, one of those two. And it was at the time I was either just getting married or I just gotten married. And I just had a lot of stuff going on. And I, I still was making the videos. But this was all and it, this is all just a passion. And I just didn't have the time to dedicate to start doing presentations and, and jumping into that realm yet. Mm-hmm. So I kind of put it on the back burner. And then a year later, I think he contacted me again. And we started talking. And, and I, I agreed to, to be one of the featured tires and to be a presenter at the, the symposium. And from that, I, I realized that he fished about an hour and a half away. So... He and I hung out a couple times and fished together. And then from that point, a friendship just grew. And I talked to him two or three times a week. He's just one of those mentors now that I can bounce ideas off, not just fishing and tying, which he's a great fisherman. He's a great fly tire. A lot of people don't know that side of him because they're just used to him running these shows. He's great in those realms, but he's also wonderful to kind of give me tips and ideas on where to take my YouTube channel and and where to take my presentations and just those little things that Mm -hmm. sometimes – you know, we don't know about. It's great to, to know somebody with more experience than us. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, so as far as, you know, definitely, uh, I want to touch on a, uh, you know, a number of fly tying questions here today. Uh, one of them that I get occasionally is on fly tying materials. Do you have a good resource, um, you know, online that you go to or any recommendations where people can find, you know, go to grab materials or any other tools and things like that? 
gosh. I guess that would come back, Dave. The short answer is no. That's that's my short answer. There's yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of great websites if you're trying to buy materials. And I can make some recommendations along that line for for vendors that I purchase from. But and I guess I'll try to tie this in with the question you'd previously asked, which was if you if there's a beginner, right. what's a mistake or, or let's kind of meld these two things together. And yeah. I'll try my best to kind of talk my way through. So whenever I and I get a lot of contact through. Uh, with beginning fly tires, beginning fly fishermen. I put myself out there as a resource. And that's probably the toughest part of, of doing everything, having this YouTube channel, having uh, my website, having Instagram and Facebook and mm -hmm. all that stuff. At the end of every video, I'm very clear to say, if you have any comments, comment down below in the, in the comment section. And if you have any questions or comments, email me. And I put my email out there. And every morning I wake up around six o'clock and I make a coffee and I respond to messages for about 15 minutes. Hmm. And we're talking YouTube messages, my email, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. And then around 6.15, then I start getting ready for, for my day job and all that other fun mm -hmm. stuff. So I've, I've put myself out there. And over the years, I've, I've really tried to refine the types of answers that I, I give because I want to make sure that they're, they're not just the answers that person's looking for. I want to make it as helpful as possible. And whenever I, I first talk to beginners, they, they're always asking, which flies should I tie? Hmm. And it really first comes back to, I don't even know where half these people are from. Are you in Montana? Are you in Michigan? Are you in Texas? What are you fishing for? Should I make the assumption it's trout or is it largemouth? Is it steelhead? Are they stripers? Is this saltwater? Is this a species I know nothing about? Right. So there's all these, there's all these I don't knows. So if it's a beginning fly tire, my initial recommendations are almost always the same. It's once you have your tools, once you have a vice, and that's a, you know, we can go down that path as well because there's mm -hmm. a lot of stuff that we can build in there too. But once you have those, those base tools and you're ready to start tying, my recommendation is to look through your fly box if you're already fly fishing and pick out three patterns that you know you use no matter what. Don't follow the books. Don't say, I'm going to tie the woolly bugger right. first. I'm going to tie the mop fly next. Find the three patterns that you've had the most success with. Go to a fly shop or contact somebody, contact you, I'll put you out there, <laughs> contact me or find somebody because there's so many resources out there. Find out what's in those those flies and buy specifically for those flies and learn those three and and do your best to be as intentional and, and maybe throw a little creative flair in the time, but be very intentional with what you're doing and try to get your proportions correct. Mm -hmm. Once you have your proportions correct, then double check that you're not crowding the eye because that's probably the biggest mistake that I see beginners make is that they get so many materials on there and they start to crowd the eye. Once yep. they go to finish the fly, either the, the thread comes unwrapped or they do get it finished, but they can't get the tippet through the eye of the, the mm -hmm. eye of the hook. So that's probably, that's the, the biggest mistake. So my recommendations then come back to buy materials just for those three flies. And then as you're tying less is more. And whenever people look in my fly box at times, they really get just, they, they almost are, are are unsure if the flies are even correct because I, I am so sparse with so many of my materials. And I always tell the story when uh, I met Bob Clauser a number of times hmm. and, and I'm able to communicate with him occasionally. He probably doesn't know me, but I at least <laughs> know him. And he tells, he loves to tell the story that if people actually saw the Clauser minnows that he tied, they wouldn't pay him anything for them because he uses so little yeah. deer, deer tail on them. They're so sparse. And I think that's something that we can all really gain from and that Many beginners just really crowd yeah. so many materials and they just play so many on that hook that 
once they get to finish that fly, it's nearly impossible. So if that makes a yeah. little bit of sense, those are my recommendations for, for those people in that beginning realm. Yeah, no, those are, those are great tips. I, there's a, yeah, there's a bunch of resources and little tips and videos. And I know, uh, just think of another guy, Kelly Gallup. I know he has, I was just looking today at some of his videos and he's got a bunch of tips, uh, similar to what you mentioned there. So, um, yeah, there's, so his, his videos good. are great. Yeah. yeah. He's real. I don't, I don't watch a lot of YouTube videos just from time. And I think yeah. you're probably in that same boat knowing mm-hmm. that you have everything going with the podcast. I have these videos going. We only have so much time. And I'm sure you get asked all the time, what podcast do you listen to? And you're probably <laughs> saying, I, I got to make my own. I have, yep. I have a lot of time dedicated <laughs> down there and that's my free time. But out of, there's a few YouTube videos that I do watch and, and Kelly's are wonderful. He has so many great tips and he just loads them up. I have to go back and listen to his a few times. Totally. Yeah, no, actually, and on the podcast, it's true for, for videos. I, I do watch some, but for the podcasting, I, I started out before I even started the show as kind of a podcasting, you know, addict pretty much. Cause it was just like, <laughs> I, I travel, I do a lot of driving. And so I've been doing the podcasting for a couple few years now and, uh, and I pretty much set a goal, you know, two years ago that I was like, man, I'm just going to start a podcast. And I just, I threw it out there and I just, because I loved it so much, I and didn't even know what I was going to be doing. So I ended up, you know, just firing it up. And yeah, it, it is, uh, you know, like all this stuff, it's a lot of work, but when you find something that's also a lot of fun, it, it makes it a lot easier for you. So that's. That, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I'll take a second to compliment you. I mean, I was on the website, Wet Fly Swing and, and, and everything around there. And I've noticed there's not a lot of great fly fishing podcast right yep. now and I'm, there's just not there's not a lot out there because i think as a lot of people figure out doing this stuff it's not easy you can do a few at the beginning then you start to realize if i have to keep you know cranking these out i have to come up with new topics get new yep. guests and it's there's a lot of work that's involved in it and i know i think at this point you've done around 19 20 somewhere around there yep. when when you and i are completing this podcast right now and Geez, you've just you've done some <laughs> you've had some great podcasts, and I got to say I've really enjoyed. And I know I've, I've told you this, I've enjoyed listening to a lot of your guests. You had Simon, that yep. was one of my favorite podcasts that you had. It was just a great one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Simon definitely was one of the good ones. That was that was good. And yeah, I, I am. I've got uh, a number of episodes in the queue that are pretty much wrapped up. So I think I'm going to be coming in on uh, six months here. You know, uh, not in the not too distant distant future. So I think I'm past the you know, 90% of the people that have already quit. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, congrats. Yeah. Stick, yeah. Thanks. Definitely stick with it. Totally. You're welcome. Totally. No, I appreciate that. And actually, that's actually a question I'll throw back at you as far as, sure. you know, your, your brand and things like that. I mean, what are your, you know, you've been in it longer than I have. I mean, what are your goals for your, for your brand? What, what are you going to, what's your plan here with this thing? Gosh, if you would have asked me that question three years ago, I probably would have said, I've accomplished everything I wanted to accomplish because hmm. a lot of people, I think whenever you put yourself out there, a lot of people almost make that assumption. I think I've used that word a few times, but they make that assumption that you're an expert and you're, you're doing something that, that no one else is doing. And I've never said that. So I've been very fortunate. You, if you find me saying that on any video out there, I'll give you a million dollars. No, I don't say it. I'm just, I'm sharing my passion. And then I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm kind of going back on those goals. Now I'm kind of morphing it into, I've been able to, I've been so fortunate with all the subscribers and I have over 15,000 now wow. that I'm really trying my best to connect in smaller groups if possible, because YouTube gives you the opportunity to just, well, I guess, share your, your, your flies, share these guests with thousands at a time. And it's, it's great to put out a video and know I have 2000 views in the first week. Like that's really, it's still mind blowing because I can go Mm -hmm. back 
whenever uh, my wife and I, I, I had just a number of videos and I remember when I hit like a hundred subscribers and I still remember when I hit a thousand subscribers and I hit 50,000 views and a hundred thousand views. And, and I don't know if people realize that every time I hit anything like that, it's still just, it's crazy. I just recently hit 2 million views hmm. and it's just nuts to know that there's been people that have watched my videos 2 million times. And I think, geez, I don't even know if I could go back and watch all my videos. There's a couple of people that have emailed me that have said, they've watched all my videos and I think these poor people, how can they watch over 200 videos and have to hear me all this time? Because yeah. I know I, I definitely talk way more than I should, but now moving forward, I've been really fortunate. And I guess I'll go back to, to Chuck in, I was able to start to give more of these presentations and give more demos around the country. And that's been a really cool thing to, to know that there's a group that wants to bring you in. They want to fly you in and, and, and put up lodging and, and pay for all of your food and, and pay you to present to their group over the course of a weekend. And that has been really, it's been a lot of fun. And in, in terms of the finance, I guess the financial side, that's not what you're doing it for because no. I, I think it's really difficult to, to make it in fly tying and fly fishing unless you're doing it for your family. And you know, this is your number one gig for me. This is just a passion. I'm, I'm not giving anything away by, by any means, but it's been so cool to, to meet with these groups and to share some of my thoughts and my ideas and my techniques, not just fly tying, but fly fishing. So now that as I'm moving towards kind of the future, I'd love to say that, gosh, I want to write a book. That, that's always been a goal of mine, though. I'd like to be I'd like to write some magazine articles to share some stuff. So that's in the future. But every time I start thinking about doing that stuff, I, I know it's going to take away from something else because like so many others out there that, that are in this industry, I have a full time job. I have a wife, I have a son, you know, we, there's, there's other responsibilities that if, if I would do, if I'd go down one of those paths, something else would have to give and more than likely it'd be my YouTube channel. And I know that that's, that's what I really enjoy the most right now. So that's something I'm, I'm not going to give up. So instead of, I'm now looking at so many people know me from the fly tying perspective. And I mm -hmm. don't think that they know me from the fly fishing perspective because I don't have videos where I'm fly fishing. I'm demonstrating techniques. So I'm really just trying to get myself out there that fly tying is just one component. It's probably not even my best component. Hmm. I really love to fly fish way more than that. So I really want to just kind of push down that avenue next. Cool. So you don't have a plan of, I mean, I think with all those views and, you know, two million, millions and things like that. I mean, you don't have a plan to just turn this in, thing into your, you know, full-time um, income in some form or fashion? At this time, no, I don't. I, I'm a teacher. I, I'm, I've been teaching now for 18 years, which I, I give, I kind of go back and I think about my, my pathway into education because of that background that I have, because I've been teaching for 18 years. I think that's been part of the reason why a lot of my videos have been as successful as they are because I have a little bit more of a presence because I'm used to presenting every day and I'm, and I'm a teacher and that's that's my livelihood and that's what I'm doing on so many of these videos. I'm trying to mm -hmm. teach the viewers how to tie that fly. If there's a possibility of me retiring early and, and jumping into this as that second profession, absolutely. And if that opportunity comes up, without a doubt. But whenever I take a step back and I look at where my wife and I are in life, we love our area. We love everything about this area. And if you're trying to get into fly fishing, there's a few big places you must want to be right now. East coast, we're talking that New York, New Jersey area out West, like Colorado, Montana, mm -hmm. parts of California, parts of the Northwest. And if I was going to jump into the industry itself, that would be really difficult because we are, we're really extremely happy where we are. So future YouTube and everything down that path, yep. maybe, but 
I'm not making it a goal right now. It's not something that I'm saying, geez, this is where I got to sure, be. Sure. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, if the, if the opportunity presents itself down the line and, uh, you know, one of these companies comes to you and gives you an offer you can't refuse, then I guess you, you could, you could choose then whether you want to take it or not. <laughs> <laughs> it'd have to be, yeah, it'd have to be a crazy offer. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that, that would be, it would be incredible. It'd be wonderful to even have that opportunity my the school district where I work is just a wonderful school. Oh, cool. I really I love my day job. I'm very cool. fortunate, in the, and then great. I have a day job that I love, and I have a passion that I'm able to share too. That I hope my love of that comes through. That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. No, I think it's uh, it's obvious. You know, I mean that that's where it's cool to talk to you about this because it's obvious. I mean, anybody that will put the amount of time that I know you have to put into what you're doing on these videos for for you know that's your passion. <laughs> you know oh, yeah. that that's pretty. Uh, that, that's that shows you know how much passion passion you have for us. That's really cool. So well, thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you. yeah. Um. Well, yeah, man. I. There's a, I've got a, a number of questions here. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to get through all of them, but I'll, sure. I'll, I'll, keep... I'll, I'll try to talk faster. Cool. All right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you're talking a little bit about, uh, you know, fishing, uh, and you said trout fishing is one of the things you do. Do you, do you have any, any fly fishing tips or anything that, you know, you might throw out to somebody who's, who's kind of new to it? Absolutely. The biggest tip that I have is don't be afraid to go where everyone else is not fishing. And that's something that took me a little bit of time to really, understand because when I, when I was younger, I guess maybe more my teenage years, as I started to get into fly fishing, I realized that in Pennsylvania, we have these areas that were called delayed harvest. And you were allowed to go in there. You were only allowed to fish with artificial lures. You couldn't use bait. And they mainly turned into a lot of individuals that were fly fishing. So it was kind of the spots where you would go. And in my mind, it was, if you wanted to catch fish, you had to go into one of these spots that was stocked with fish that it was a catch and release type of location, and that's where you caught fish. And it took a number of years for me to realize, and I think it's when my mentor, John Dunn, you know, kind of entered into my life when he said, you know, we're going to fish this stream, but we're not going to fish between those two wires or where the, the, where the signs say there's going to be fish. We're going to fish in other spots. And I was thinking, geez, why would we fish in these other spots? They put all the fish here. Like, this is where we want to go. And, of course, we went to these other spots. There's no one else fishing there, and we caught just a ton of fish. And it really forced me to kind of think outside of, mm-hmm. of the natural boundaries that I, I kind of instilled myself. And even now, a few years ago, I was uh, just to the point where, not quite in a rut, but I got to the point, Dave, where it was just on April 20th, I could go to this river and I could catch fish. On <laughs> April 23rd, I could go to this one and I could catch fish. And I would go to the lake and I, would, I could catch stripers on this date. And I kind of got to the point where I just had a routine. It was almost, it was a good routine. I was catching a lot of fish, but just something didn't seem right. And I, I said to myself, I have to get out of this routine. I have to kind of find something new. And I just started fishing streams that I'd never fished before. And, and of mm. course, as you know how it's going to go, I found a bunch of wild trout. I found a bunch nice. of big trout. It was just one of those, like, just go somewhere different. Don't just get stuck into that rut. So yep. that's my biggest advice. Don't be afraid to, to walk a little bit more than everybody else because you're going to find something special. Yeah, that that's a good tip. And I was just trying to, oh, I was trying to think of a, a tip on a similar lines uh, a guest of mine had on, um, oh, it was on episode 11. Tom Larimer had a great, great quote. And he, that that's definitely been one of the best um, um, ones I've done so far, just because I know he went into a lot of details. And I, so I just pulled it up here. So, yeah. so his quote was great. He said, uh, Respect the history, respect the nostalgia of our sport, and that's all great stuff. But don't be afraid to try different things, and don't be afraid to fail. 
Yes, that's you know, great. Yeah, that's a great line, Dave. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's pretty much that's one I had to I had to remember there. But yeah, so that that's good stuff. Um, so getting back to you know, I was just thinking about when you mentioned about getting back to people and and your questions and stuff, and you know, it is it's challenging. How do you? Like, how do you, who, how do you choose who to say no to? I mean, you must get a lot of offers and, and things to do. I mean, how, how do you do that with, you got all this going? Cause I just, I mean, that's more of a selfish question probably for myself, but how, how do you no, do that? No, that's okay. No, that's okay. I mean, yeah, I guess let's, if you want to go down the, the industry path for a little bit, we can, we yeah. can go that route. I didn't anticipate that, that pathway for me. Let's, let me start there. Whenever I um, had these videos going, I started to kind of develop a name for myself. If, if you even want to call it that on YouTube, uh-huh. however you, you call that, I started to get just emails here and there from small companies, maybe a medium sized company. And at the beginning I was like, wow, this is really cool. You can get free fly tying stuff, free fly mm-hmm. fishing stuff, or maybe discounts and, and that type of stuff. And I thought, this is just, this is really neat. And I, uh, I went to my, I was talking to my father and I was asking him for advice and that's, you know, just, we have to go to people for advice. And he was very clear. And he said to me, without a doubt, you're going to have these sponsorship opportunities. That's mm-hmm. just something that's going to be natural. It's going to occur, but make sure that you know that anything you put your name on, people are going to associate you with that product. And if it's not a quality product, they're going to know that you're a sellout. Yep. So be very careful whenever you accept. So I've really just. I've taken that to heart and I've been very fortunate. I've had some really great sponsorships over the years. Uh, I mean, all the products that that I feature in my videos are the products that I fish with. I've never had something that I didn't like. There was one product that I used in the video and it failed. I was fishing and I Hmm. won't tell you the product or anything about Mm -hmm. it, but I can tell you it failed and that video got deleted and I contacted that person. I said, Hmm. just so we're on the same page, I can't use this because it failed for me in multiple fishing situations. Yep. And I, ha- I deleted all the videos. I apologize, but that's just sure. the route that I have to go. So, so that's kind of the, the, that's, I guess whenever I think about if I'm going to accept an opportunity or not, I really just have to make sure it's, it's the right fit for me and it's going to be beneficial. And it's going to be something that the viewers know, Hey, this is something that they want to jump into as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that makes total sense. So I was at the um, I was at that show recently, and I had a question that came up uh, that I didn't really have a good answer for. So I wanted to throw it by you and see if you have one. Uh, it was, ba- <laughs> I don't it, was know. I had, I don't it was basically this yeah. No, you're this, giving me your tough question. Exactly, I, I put you on the spot here. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, so phases of the moon. I I uh, you know we were just sitting there tying it, and he kind of took me off guard. He's like, well phases of the moon what do you have anything that that speaks to you know and basically what i told him, i was like you know what i'm going to ask my next guest that question so, <laughs> so you might not have one but if you don't we're gonna have to figure out uh you know where we could uh, direct people to, to get a good answer because i've never really you know i know there's some of that ocean uh, you know obviously the moon and the whole thing sure, is connected sure. and stuff but does that sort of stuff do you ever get into that 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 kind of deep level on uh, yes and no what i'll tell you is I don't look into it and I, I don't say I'm going to go fishing because the moon's at this phase. So I don't do that. Right. I know that there's these little free magazines that I see in gas stations. It's a hunting guide or a fishing guide. And you, when you open it up on the first page, they have for the, for the entire month, what phase the moon is every day and mm-hmm. the peak time and the non-peak time. I definitely look at that. I 100% believe there's something to be said about it. But now I'm going to go back to what I previously said. I'm married. I have a child. I have a full-time job. And this is a passion of mine. Any day I can get out fishing, I go fishing. So in the summertime, yeah. I, I remember last in the summer of uh, 2017, 
it was the end of August. I think I had two more days until I was going back to school. And, and I, I woke up, it was around four o'clock in the morning. I was getting ready to go fishing. There was a light rain. It was just, Dave, it was not a day that you would say, this is a day to go fishing. But I know, I knew in two days I was going back to work. And, right. I, and I, I didn't look at the weather. I didn't care. I grabbed my raincoat. I had my waders and everything was already in my truck. Sure. I hopped in, I drove three hours and I had an awesome day of fishing. And I remember thinking to myself, I almost didn't come because it was raining this morning and I know I'm going to be working in two days and <laughs> it's going to be, I can't take off a day for the next month. So this is, it was just something I just go. So maybe in my retired life, I'll, I'll get into the, the lunar phases and all that fun stuff and the tides. But yep. as of right now, I'll tell people, don't get caught up in that stuff. If you have an opportunity to go fishing, get out there and go. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. I think that's a great, so I'm glad to know you, you don't have any insight on that either. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's great advice. I don't. And I think that's, uh, you know, that makes perfect sense. Uh, just get out when you have time for sure. Yeah. But if anyone gets back to you and they tell you, they tell you anything about it, let me know because I would love to know any, uh, I will any cheaters on it. I, I'll take, I will. I'll find out. I'm not sure who my next guest is, but I'll throw it by him too. <laughs> that'll be, that'll be my, uh, that'll be my tough, uh, exactly. My fork ball question, whatever. Oh my gosh. So, yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, so now on flies, you mentioned a couple of flies uh, for steelhead. So the, I think you mentioned your top uh, uh, one or two or three flies you use. Is that did, was there anything we didn't cover for steelhead? And did you have a maybe a fly or two for trout that you wanted to mention that is kind of your go to? No, I think we we probably hit everything for steelhead, with the exception of um, I said I use a lot of jig nymphs. Yeah, and I use a lot of I guess the color black jig nymphs, something that imitates a small stone fly, and I also love flies that imitate. Emerald shiners, small bait fish. Mm-hmm. So whenever I think about the patterns that I'm using, it's going to be probably down that realm for steelhead. Yeah. The other sneaky thing, and I probably I should have mentioned this earlier, so I apologize. I love to fish uh, from the shore right around where these tributaries empty into Lake Erie. And that's a lot of fun because you these fish kind of – they get ready and they stage before they enter the, the tributaries. And it's really a, a blast to catch them when they're, they're out in the lake because they can just – tear up your reel and it's it's a lot of fun to just cast along the shore you're searching for these fish and sometimes you'll hook up and sometimes you won't that's a lot of fun because it's definitely not as crowded as the tributaries can get and then whenever i'm in those situations i'll be fishing of an intermediate uh sinking style of line with a lot of bait fish imitations cool cool yeah and that is, uh, I was just thinking about the, the jig, uh, maybe you can explain, I, I haven't uh, heard of exactly that technique as far as when you, with, uh, you're talking for steelhead kind of using the, the jig type of flies. How, how is that all, all that technique? How do you do that? Sure. I'll, I'll get into it very briefly because yeah, I am not, for sure. I'll go back. I'm, I'm not an expert by any means. A number of years ago, I was fishing for trout and I had the opportunity to, to fish with a really good friend of mine. His name is Josh Miller. Josh at the time had just qualified for fly fishing team USA. So Josh is from the hmm. Pittsburgh area. We met up at a fly tying event. We were both there and we just, we connected great friendship grew from it. So he's, he's just a really great person to know. And he is a heck of a fly fisherman. And he's part of that 1% that catches 99% of the fish. That's him. Yep. So, <laughs> so whenever we, we went fishing, he was telling me a little bit about this style and there's lots of different names for it. You can call it Czech nymphing, European nymphing, um, tight line nymphing. The name that I'm calling it right now is contact nymphing, and I, I won't get into every single detail about it, but the gist of it is instead of using the typical fly line, you're using something that's got a much smaller diameter. Some people will use 20-pound mono for their fly line in a hmm. sense. 
Whereas there's a Cortland fly line out there that I'm using. It's kind of a competition style fly line. I'm not a competition fly fisherman. Yeah. It's a very fine diameter that leads to, we'll say, a really flimsy leader that will go to the cider material, which is just a high visibility material. And then from there, you go straight to whatever your tippet is, maybe four feet of 5X tippet connected to a fly that's tied on a jig hook. Mm. And the, the whole gist of this is that whenever you're holding your fly rod up in the air, if you think about conventional fly line, it's coming down back towards you. It's coming towards the reel because it's a heavier component and it's pulling the fly and it's really creating a lot of drag and it's trying to create, it's trying to pull your fly right. up through the water column as it comes back towards you. So with this method, that's not occurring because you have such a light material going through your guides that whenever you're holding this up in the air, the fly, even though it could be a size 16 with a little tungsten bead on it, that's enough to kind of hold everything static. And you have this fly that's connected to four or five feet of tippet. So you have the same diameter tippet that's cutting through the water going right down to the bottom. And you're, you're using a jig hook. So that means more than likely it's going to be riding hook point up so you're mm -hmm. not snagging as much. So the, the, the entire gist of the technique is that you have direct contact with your fly. That's why a lot of people are now calling this contact nymphing. Okay. So you have this just exceptional contact. Uh, for the most part, we're not using any indicators. Uh, split shot, though, those are components that I definitely integrate. A lot of people will, will fish articulated streamers on this style of rig, dry droppers as well. So there's just all these really great components that you can do with it. I had heard about it. I wanted to get involved in it. And I just didn't jump fully in. So then now I'll get back to Josh. I'm fishing with him and, and he, I'm asking him for a few pointers and he's saying, sure, we'll just do this. He's making a couple casts and I couldn't make that cast. I was really just frustrated. And I thought, how is he making this cast? And I can't make this cast. And finally I said to him, give me your fly rod. I, something's not right. And it was because he had a completely different line. He had just a completely different rig, a different style of fly rod than I was using. Hmm. And I said, I, I, I want to jump into this. So I went all in for about one year and I did nothing but this contact oh, wow. for the entire year. I've now since kind of taken a step back and yeah. I've, after I've jumped in, I've kind of stayed, taken that step back and I've said, all right, I like it. I really do. But I love dry fly fishing. I love emergers as mm -hmm. well. So I carry a spear spool and on, on that spear. On my two spools that I carry when I go trout fishing, one is a conventional floating fly line. And if there's dry flies going on, I'm quick to switch that over and I, I go right to dry fly fishing. Hmm. If not, I love the opportunity to fish these European style flies. We're talking like Paragon flies or um, just really small jig head nymphs that will just get right to the bottom. And you can you can pick up a lot of fish that way. And it's, it's really crazy to know just how, how many more fish are being yeah. caught and and I think it goes back to there's a couple of videos that came out over the years and they show fish on the bottom and fish are constantly taking stuff in and, and just yeah. rejecting it. Right. And I think that and at least in my opinion, we're missing so many more fish than we're catching. And and now that I've I've gotten into this method, I believe that that's why these people are catching so many more trout. It's that they're just trying so much food down there and you have such a direct contact with your fly that yeah. you can naturally catch so many more fish. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. And what sort of rod and or rod are you using for this? Just a typical rod, or no? You know what? Um, this is one of my favorite presentations to give right now because I kind of share with with people my experience going into it. The first rod that I used for this was a nine foot three weight. It was a Saint Croix Legend, I believe. I love mm -hmm. the rod. It was it's a beautiful dry fly rod, and it it worked really well in smaller streams. We're talking. 20 to 35 foot where you could kind of get a little bit closer to the fish and you didn't have to worry about that extra reach. 
But whenever I got into larger streams, we're talking in central Pennsylvania, like the Little Juniata River, maybe the Delaware River in eastern Pennsylvania, those styles and in some of the Michigan streams, I couldn't do it with a nine foot rod. And I wanted just a little bit of a longer rod. The rod that I jumped to last year was a 10 foot three weight Orvis Recon. Hmm. I, I love the rod. It's, it's been wonderful. I wish it was another six inches or another nine inches or so. Uh, and I would probably go all in. I know one of the, the favorite rods for people out there right now is the Sage ESN. I think they have a 10 foot six, maybe a 10 foot nine, mm-hmm. but it's also, I think $950 Dave. And it's wow. tough for, yeah. it, it's, it'd be really tough for me to, to recommend to people go get a thousand dollar rod do this niche thing. And, and sure. I know many people do it. And if, if, if anyone out there is listening and that's, that's their thing, go for it. It's just really tough for me to make that type oh, of yeah. recommendation though. For sure. For sure. No, cool. I appreciate uh, the, uh, the uh, rods there, a little clarification. That sounds like a, um, yeah, I mean, nymphing, right. They say, uh, you know, 90% of the fish are feeding under the surface or whatever that is. So yeah, whatever the quote, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they do. Well, I know every time I got home from fishing, my wife would say, you know, how was your day? You know, she'd go through that. And after maybe a week and a half of this, she said, are you catching more fish or is it just me? And I said, no, it's you <laughs> definitely catch more fish. So yeah. if there's anyone who's interested in it. And and with that, though, comes there's a greater you know potential to hurt more fish as well because you're catching so many more fish. And there's so many people, yeah. people that are trying this method. So there's obviously just like anything else, there's positives and there's there's yeah. downsides. Totally, totally. And that's kind of in the, uh, the steelhead game, you know, that always comes up as that's come up in a number of my, uh, interviews where we're talking about fish, you know, and numbers and things like that, you know, because you have, you know, swinging flies and you can take it even a step further as, you know, using dry flies on the surface for steel, which some people do. I mean, some people take it to the extreme level where they're fishing in the winter time, the fishing dry flies. So, you know, Gosh. yeah, your chances of, you know, hooking up with fish are just so, you know, drastically reduced compared to say the other end is using nymphs and eggs and stuff, which, you know, and nymphing, which, you know, you can get into a lot of fish. So it's that, that whole thing, you know, it's like, to me, the way I look at it is like, you know, are you having fun? I mean, that's the bottom <laughs> yes. line for fishing. So I don't care whether you're nymphing or, or swinging flies, but are you having fun? And, you know, the numbers thing is just, that's something I think we, none of us should get too crazy about. I think as long as we're, if you're enjoying yourself, then great. Yes, that's exactly it. Yeah. You said it really, really right. And I, there was a quote out there and you may have heard this years ago too. It was something along the lines of when you first get into fishing, you just want to catch fish and then you want to catch a lot of fish and then yeah. you want to catch smart fish and then you want to catch a lot of smart fish. <laughs> and then once you kind of get there, you realize I just want to catch fish. And that's, I've, I've kind of made that, luckily, I've, I've made that full circle where it seems like every year it's not just about catching a ton of fish or smart fish or the biggest fish or anything like that. I just love to get out fishing and, and I love to try new techniques. My The last game I've really been into has been these articulated streamers and they're just oh, yeah. a blast and I'm finally featuring those in some of my videos and, and they're just so much fun to to fish with and, and it's just another component you can add to your game. Yeah, for sure. That's for sure. You mentioned uh, earlier about... Um some of the products and companies and things like that. I know you have a, a section on your site called uh, Friends or something like that, where you list, uh, sure. yeah, you list different companies and things like that. That how do you how do those companies get on your your page? What what's the the connection there to your to your um, your website? Each one is different. That it really just comes down to uh, if it's somebody. Maybe some of them are, are companies that sponsor my videos. Some of them may just be friends of mine. I can tell you. And I can just go, you want me to go through them? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think there's, yeah, there's not like a ton of them. There's just kind of a, a handful of them, right? No. Well, I'll go, yeah, there's just a hand through. I'll just go through some of the major ones. Yeah. I know 
some of the, the major sponsors that I have in my video. The number one is probably Stonfo Fly Fishing. Mm-hmm. Stonfo is an Italian-based company. They have some just really incredible fly tying vices, some really unique fly tying tools. They're really big in Europe, and they're, they're starting to become a little bit more well-known in the United States as mm-hmm. more and more fly shops are carrying their products. Um, but we just – they had there was some type of a connection where I believe they saw one of my videos. They sent me an email, and, and it was one of those. Let's just go back and forth and kind of see what this will develop into. And they're just a wonderful company to to really be associated with. Mm-hmm. So I, it's, it's just a pleasure kind of working with those those people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tie with all Uni Thread, so that's mm-hmm. the connection there. That's why you'll see that okay. uh, all my hooks right now are called Honic hooks. Mm-hmm. It's a company that. Um, really has hooks that are meant for competition and a lot of people shy away from it because they say you know I'm, i don't want to be a competitive fly fisherman and i really stressed with them <laughs> you may not be a competitive fly fisherman i'm not i've never competed in my life but whenever i look at these hooks these are just some of the highest quality hooks in the world and, I, and once i found out about them and i had the opportunity to to feature them in my videos there what it was not even a question the, hmm. the day i announced it all of my friends were texting me and they were saying how did how's Honic sponsoring you they, it was like the lamborghini and it's interesting huh. because i like all, a lot of my friends will call them the lamborghini of hooks and then there's other people that have been tying for 20 years that have never heard of them and it's just right it's it, so it's really neat to kind of to, to have that association uh, another one is Hazard Fly Fishing. Um, the, the gentleman's name is Jeff Harrison. He um, sponsors all my the beads that I use in the video. So we get down even that to that realm. He's got a really cool thing that he does with beads where he cuts a, uh, he has them um, with a certain slot in them. So they'll really connect your oh, hook yeah. a little bit different than others. So mm-hmm. we had that connection. And then I think I have uh, another one of the, the, the places listed as Keystone Fly Rod Company. Mm-hmm. And that's one of my one of my buddies in Western Pennsylvania. His name is Don Ward. Mm-hmm. He builds bamboo fly rods. I build them as well, but nowhere near to oh, the wow. level that he does them. So it's he just does some beautiful stuff. So I I feature him on my friends page, and then the other one on there that I I've already talked about is the International Fly Tying Symposium. Uh-huh. It takes place in um, in the fall in the Eastern United States, typically around New Jersey, Pennsylvania, in that area. That's the one that Chuck Fremsky runs, and it's just one of those events where. You get some of the best fly tires in the country. Uh, they bring in some from the world as well. And we just it's just a, a, a place where you, you pay to come in. Maybe it's 10 or $15. And you can just walk around and interact with just some incredible fly tires. And for me, Chuck yells at me every year because I go there. I'm a, I'm a tire. I'm a presenter. And I spend half the time at my booth because I'm walking around talking to these other guys as well because there's just some really cool stuff going on there. Hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's all. Now that you mentioned all the the companies, it, it all it all rings a bell. The the flight tying vices is always an interesting one because, you know, I've got a number of different vices too, and haven't sure. and haven't used them yet or even heard much of them. So it, it's cool to hear. There's there's a lot of uh, a lot of vice companies. Actually, I saw you review. I think a recent uh, maybe it was an older review, but yeah, you do some vice reviews as well on your site. Yeah, I try to, and that's I get so many emails, Dave, about what vice should I buy. And it's such a tough. It's such a tough thing because I think I say in almost every one of those vice review videos, if you ask around 15 people for their favorite vice, you may end up with 25 different vices because yeah. people, they love their vice and they may have tied on something else and they love that vice too. And if you can find something that, that holds the hooks that you tie, it's probably going to work for you. Mm-hmm. And it's tricky because people will email me questions about a specific vice and I can't comment on them because I don't use that many vices. I, I, there's about three or four that I use on a regular basis, and I can comment on those ones, and I can talk about why I like those ones, but 
I really try my best not to bash other stuff because I know that something may not work for me, but it's going to work for the next tire out there. So I, I really try my best to kind of run that that middle path to say this is why I'm tying on these, but I'm not going to bash anyone else because it may work perfectly fine for another another use that I'm not using it for. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Cool. All right. Uh, well, I think we're about there. I was just going to check in with you to see if uh, maybe you want to give us an update. Uh, you know, the next six months, what you have going, anything, uh, anything we can look forward to in the, you know, at your site or the YouTube channel. Yeah, sure. Well, I guess we're recording this in early 2018. So just to kind of mm-hmm. give people an idea, my next big event that I'm going to be tying at will be at Seven Springs in Pennsylvania. It's a really cool event. It's called the Fly Tires Reunion. It's some of the, the fly tires that have been featured at the fly fishing shows around the country throughout the year. And they all convene at this little lodge. It's called the, the Sporting Clays Lodge at this ski resort in Seven Springs. It's a really small niche event. There's no cost for the public. It's really low-key. It takes place on a Friday night from around 6 o'clock till 9 o'clock. And it's hosted by Chuck Frimsky. And he brings in all these different tires, and he rents this lodge for almost a week. Hmm. So when the public comes in, they basically just see it from around six to nine. They see us tying flies and that's it. But the behind the scenes, and this is the part that <laughs> it, it just, it's cool for me. And this is something I think others would appreciate. They have this lodge for an entire week or so. And it's just fishing. And there's a lake there. Oh, wow. There's some streams. And so there, you have all these incredible personalities that are just kind of there. They're just hanging out for four or five days. And it's just mind-blowing to be a part of it. Last oh. year... I walk in, it's and I was able to get there maybe on a Thursday night, and and here I see people like Joe Humphreys, Bob Clouser, huh. um, in the past Lefty Cray's been oh, wow. there. I mean, you name it, they've been there, and yeah. it's it's wild to walk in and see Joe Messenger telling stories there. And we had some people that flew in from the West Coast, and you have Tom Baltz and my yep. buddy Josh was able to come along, and it was just such a dynamic group and and so unique. So whenever um. Every time Chuck says, I'm thinking about the, the tying reunion, are you in this year? And it's like, don't you don't even have to ask. I'm 100 percent in. Yeah. So I'm I'm really excited to tie there. So awesome. that's my next event that I'm doing. It's kind of close. And I guess the other we'll say that the neat thing that I that is now public, I think it just got announced uh, this this past weekend. There's a really big fly fishing expo in Michigan. It's called the Midwest Fly Fishing Expo. Okay. And they bring in they do their their shows a little bit differently than some of the other ones. Instead of having maybe 20 different um, personalities or celebrities that they bring in for their show. They just feature around four or five different uh, celebrities. And then that's it for that year for their show. Then that, those people may be part of a rotation where they come back every few years. And this is, they, hmm. they just announced this past weekend that I'm going to be one of their featured tires and feature cool. presenters next year at the 2019 uh, Midwest wow. Fly Fishing. So I'm, I'm just super excited to get out there. There's just a, so much history and so much great fly fishing in, in Michigan that yeah. I was honored with. They even even mentioned my name to to be a possibility, and then whenever they said, "Hey, we'd love to have you out," and, and we're gonna you know announce it at the end of the the expo, I, I was just blown away. So I, I'm really excited to to do that next year. Yeah, that is uh, that's really cool. I uh, yeah, I talked to a couple of Michigan uh, fishermen there. Uh, well, I guess it's been a, a little while back, but uh, Kevin Feenstra and and Pete Pete Humphreys are two big steelhead guys that. Okay. Kind of, you know, kept things going strong there, but no, that's awesome, man. So, uh, so cool. I guess, uh, I guess we have to wrap it up sometime. We can't, we can't talk forever here. No, <laughs> so, we can't. You're right. So yeah, I'm sure to... whoever's listening to us driving to work is saying, guys, just finish this. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, we'll cut it off here for, uh, make it easy on everybody, but I, I'm going to follow up with you and, uh, hopefully, uh, get you a video. Maybe you can throw on your channel and, uh, 
and kind of go from there. If, uh, if people want to find you, what would be the best place if they have questions? Easiest place, uh, go to troutandfeather.com. From there, I have a contact page. On that page, you can find my email or you can just contact me through there. Uh, tell them, don't hesitate. Shoot me a message. I will get back to them. Give me 24, 48 hours. And I promise I reply to everybody. Like it or not, yep. I'll get back to them so they can contact me that way. Perfect. Thanks for mentioning that. Perfect. Perfect, Tim. Well, I appreciate you uh, for coming on here and chatting. I know you know, as I found you just randomly online and, you know, I've already learned a bunch from you just from watching your videos and some of that stuff. I, uh, you know, definitely appreciate what you're doing out there and, uh, you know, hope you keep up the good work and, uh, you know, and keep this going for the, the long term. It'd be great to see more from you. Oh, you got it, Dave. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on here. And just so your audience knows as well, my offer stands that I would love to feature some of your tying on my YouTube channel as well. So we'll do this cross collaboration. I'm really excited to feature you. Perfect, man. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon. All right. You got it, Dave. I see ya. So there you go. If you want to find all the show notes with all the links we covered in this episode, just go to wetflyswing.com slash 20. That's the number two zero. And please go to wetflyswing.com slash community to connect with the growing Facebook group at Fly Fisher Society. I want to give a quick shout out to A.D. Walker on our fly fishing page and Facebook group for posting a bunch of really great photos this week. Hey, A.D., please connect with me and I'll get you a free Wet Fly Swing t-shirt for being noted on the podcast here. Thanks again for stopping by to check out the show, everyone. I'm looking forward to catching up with you soon and hope to see you on the river. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com. And if you found this episode helpful, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. 